Hey again, it's Nan. Uh, this is an interview I did with Dylan Talano. He's the CEO of VoiceMe, which is a comics platform with a structure for handling content very similar to what Webtoon has. This interview was conducted on the 6th of December, 2022. It's the culmination of over a month of work by both myself and my assistant, Tyler. Thanks so much to her. A link to her YouTube channel is in the pinned comment and the description. Thanks also to my viewers. Every like, share, and subscribe really makes a difference to the channel and also gives us a lot of validation for our work. Also, thanks a lot to my patrons, without whom videos like this just wouldn't exist. If you like what we do, please go to patreon.com slash webcomicshub, and from $1 a month, you can support us in making more high-quality webcomics content. All right, on to the video. Thanks for reaching out and writing an article. It's great I mean, to meet you and be here. Yeah, it's really great to meet you too, actually. I've, I've heard a lot about you from a lot of different people. I guess a good place for us to start, you know, we can start with some easy stuff. If you're ready, if you're good. Yeah, fire away. Awesome, awesome. So just like, just for everyone, just give us like a good description, who you are, what you run, that kind of thing. Yeah, so I'm Dylan Tolano. I'm the CEO and founder of VoiceMe. I like to describe VoiceMe as the first social creator platform for manga and webtoons. Um, we're basically building the YouTube for webcomics for an English language audience, where basically people can post their stories, those stories can be published, and we're creating this social interactive experience around that, which is kind of more to come, but that's yeah. the super exciting part of VoiceMe. It sounds very involved in the, as a thing to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, from the creator and the reader point of view, that was like my whole thesis on voice me. I mean, I will probably get into this, but you know, I was an author, found out there was no way to interact with your audience as an author at all. And that's why I wanted to create a platform that centered it around that where people can interact in that social interaction that is critical for any sort of creative entrepreneur. This platform, VoiceMe, could theoretically help that be fostered and facilitate it. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really interesting. And and I guess to further that, that was why you went to um, LACC this year. I like Comic Con. You were there with uh, what's his name, uh, Dylan Lemay, the Chop Chop Ice Cream Fold guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was that was I was on two panels at this last upcoming LA Comic Con. One was with inspired author and Kerrigan Taylor, and the other was with Dylan Lemay and Alex Clark, who's like I believe a pretty like a famous uh, YouTube animator and uh, comedian. Yeah. I know inspired all that's that's um Brandon, right? Yeah, yeah, the author yeah. of God Game. He uh we flew him out and Kerrigan Taylor uh to go on the second panel with me. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. What was the second panel about? The one with Dylan uh LeMay. Um that was about like basically entrepreneurship. Um yeah. really focusing on that and helping new entrepreneurs and finding niches and really growing it out. The other one was about how to break into the world of anime, manga, and webtoons. Um, and that's where Brandon Kerrigan and I spoke on. Okay, yeah, cool. That's actually really good to know. I knew about the first one. I knew what it was about, but the second one, I wasn't so sure. That kind of gives me an insight into like you know your your general focus. You seem very focused on like the young person perspective, I guess. You know the the TikTok people, the social media, a lot more than other platforms, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think just naturally with the space, you know, webtoons, manga, I think you naturally cater to the younger people versus like Western comics. But most of our early success and a lot of our major success has really been through social media. So we definitely leverage our connection with it to help advertise and promote all series. Yeah, of course. That makes total sense. I guess that kind of leads me really perfectly into where my next question is, which is like, 
to you, you're the top dog, you're the you're the guy in charge. What exactly would you say that voice me is right now? That's a very hard question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say that right now we are a early platform that is helping new creators and new stories get told as of today. That's fair. I mean, your site's about what, like three years old now? Four? Oh no, a lot less. <laughs> a lot less? Wait, yeah. Oh, yeah, because right, it was 20, it's 2022. COVID has been so long. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the platform has actually only been live for less than two years. I yes. made the company a while ago, like the legal entity of it. I made that yeah. one day before my 18th birthday. That's fair. Oh, then how old are you now? I am 21. <laughs> 21. Wow. That's very young. That's very young to be an entrepreneur, but fair enough. I get um, that often. Yes. <laughs> I guess still in college. Right. Oh, damn. Still doing full time college, Jesus Christ! Yeah, they give me free housing and free food because of financial aid, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. I get it. I get it. So, like, um, I guess voicemail as an entity is still two years as an existence. It's still quite a while for most companies. And from what I understand, you started out with about twenty five grand, which was from that. Um, so I'm trying to remember the 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 prize you won, but yeah, twenty five grand in that investor prize. So I actually started the company with nothing. Um, that was actually the first time we ever got money. So I started the company. What I did is basically I I didn't grow up. My family didn't have any money. So what I had to do is I took my college savings, I took my bar mitzvah money, and I took my started working a full-time job at a marketing mm -hmm. firm because I was a pro video gamer. So I had connections to a video game marketing firm. And I was able to basically, that boiled to like $10,000. It was like 10 to 12,000. I can't, I always forget the exact number, but within that range. And that was the first money I ever put down towards voice me. So it was all kind of my money initially. Then using that, I was able to actually like make a really crappy website back then. I was able to attract a few creators. And then using that, I entered a entrepreneurship competition um, actually at my college, when I was a freshman, I entered voice me in it and I got fourth place. I actually didn't win, but I re-entered it as a sophomore and that's where we won first place. And I won $20,000 from that. That was the moment voice me started, really started to explode in terms of like actually raising more capital. Yeah. And I've done, I've done my research as, as, as <laughs> I would, and I've seen some of the, um, the funding, the funding that's been going on right now. And I guess some of the funding rounds you got, I know you just finished a funding round quite recently. I think it was um, sometime around August. And I, I guess I guess that kind of, you know, these, these, these are the things I think in our, in, in our comics industry, the thing a lot of creators think about, which is like, they always want to know where the money's coming from, from the site, you know, and where it's going to. Because they just, it kind of lets them understand the interest that they're working with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I guess... I guess kind of a question is like, where's the money coming from? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I think I can legally say, and <laughs> we recently raised around, there there are some articles now out, I believe on like Yahoo and stuff about it and some other sites that kind of took the press release and took the exclusive on that. We, we have investors from like Crunchyroll, uh, Marvel, like I can publish this in public, like the CEO and founder, like Rotten Tomatoes came in. Mm. Um, people from CNN, CBN, we had Best Summer Venture Partners, which is, I think, the second best VC fund in the world. They came in this round, that's public knowledge, Torch Capital. So a bunch of, like, all top New York and global funds actually came in, came into this round, which is great, because now we have a team of experts from, like, Snapchat, Netflix, Lyft, um, Fable, some other platform we're forgetting that 
webtoons actually owns but a lot of different ones sounds like sounds like a lot of different people coming in a lot of different uh, interest being being at play but that's not always a bad thing i mean i'm assuming from your perspective it's been very very fun, not even fun but it's very 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 very, very interesting very successful year all things considered oh yeah definitely we were able to raise a massive up round from our last fundraising round um yeah. in a horrible market and I think yeah, that was super, <laughs> yeah, that was super stressful and very hard. Um, but we were one of the, one of the handful of companies that managed to do it. And I think that really shows really just like, luckily <laughs> how good the company's doing and the market as a whole, like the webtoon space is getting, and manga space is getting a ton of interest, which is. Amazing. Yeah. It's getting so much growth. Like, and even, even as the tech industry continues to collapse, it's not, you know, it's not immediately falling and that's quite interesting. Tells you a lot about like the different economic pulls that are going on there. I guess that that brings you on to more. Like you know, you got there's a lot of money coming in, which is good. You know, how many people? How many people would you say are working there? I can say that including artists and authors with full time employees, right? So they yeah. keep the number all together that are actively on Voice Me payroll. It is between fifty and a hundred people as of today. 50, that's a very that's a lot for a two-year-old company yes <laughs> yes yeah. it is we we have managed to grow quite efficiently um which is great and we have been able to actually employ a lot of creators all around the world to help fund their series to help create new series to work on their own and it's actually been great that's probably like one of i think our my favorite things about the company is that it's a weird feeling having someone honestly like quit their job to come work for your startup it is it is so weird i can't even fathom it but it is also like it's a nice level of like i'm glad that they believe in the vision per se yeah because i know you recently got somebody who worked uh for Nin for pokemon i believe was it yes the, yes yeah pokemon the pokemon company um she worked in the philippines or indonesia one of the two uh for the pokemon company doing marketing so that was that's very interesting to see on your um list of employee acquisitions if you will yeah you know? yeah <laughs> no. she was one of the fat she was a founding member of the whole pokemon philippines franchise yeah it looked very, very experienced. So, you know, it was quite interesting to see that she was coming over. You go, I'm going to ask a few more stat questions, if that's okay. Just wrap <laughs> yeah. up. You know, like, I guess the really easy one is like, what would, what's your, what's your site-wide, your site-wide MAU, your monthly active users? Yeah, I, I can't fully put a number on it, legally. Uh, uh, I guess more, I guess, publicly uh, is the mm -hmm. better way of wording it. But yeah. I can say that um, you want MAU or monthly visiting users. Monthly active users, so that's... So it is, it is over, over a million for that, for monthly active users. Over a million. Okay, fair enough. It, I've seen some different stats around, so it was really useful to ask, I think, because they all give you different perspectives. It seems you're very popular in a lot of very unconventional places within VoiceMe. Because you know everyone's popular in America, you kind of have to be. But I was yeah. looking at, I was looking at some traffic information. I was looking, even even though I know they're not all accurate. And you know, I was seeing that you were popular in places like Nigeria, and uh, I saw another. I saw you were also kind of popular in Indonesia, I believe. No, sorry, it was France and the and the Philippines. So, you know, it was quite interesting to see. Yeah, such a diverse spread. Although yeah, I don't know if that really reflects on your end. No, no, you're exactly right. We're a fully international company. It's really funny, like only 50% of our audience is actually from North America. A lot of people mm. assume it's a lot more. Um, the other 50% is broken up with a majority of that being from Europe and then the other majority being from Southeast Asia. So like your France, mainly your Germany, your 
Italy, then you have your India, Philippines, Indonesia, uh, like really like a lot of those countries bring a lot of traffic. That's not an unexpected, but a very interesting outcome because, you know, every site's different. Every site's got different kinds of people coming to it. It's got like a different meta, so to speak. Um, so it's always interesting to see kind of like the people who are interested in a certain platform. Could I know how many comics have been put onto your onto your site in total? I think I can share chapters if that's okay. I think that's a public number right now. Yeah, I think that should be. <laughs> I think I think that's out there somewhere. I, I, I can say we have, I think, over 20,000 published chapters, 15,000, 20,000, mm. somewhere within that range. Yeah. Somewhere right, something like that. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's actually pretty impressive, especially after only two years, you know? And I, I guess this is a question a lot of creators want to ask. I figured I, was, I might as well just come out straight with it. I know you're going to have to give me a range on this one for lots of reasons, but um, what's the most you've paid out to a creator in a given month or to creators in general in a given month, as in like your total across the entire platform? I can say that we have artists and creators on our mm. have stories on our site that has quit their jobs to work full time on their story, multiple. So I think that depends on what that means to someone but usually usually that's a good sign that's a big move yeah that's a big move <laughs> yeah. i mean like yeah i think for people the concrete number is a little bit it's something they value a lot especially because um i think a lot of creators right now are, are measuring things off of webtoon who recently um after some you know after some back of the napkin math that i did recently i found that webtoon was paying out about has paid out about paid out just over a million dollars this year which doesn't sound like a lot and then this was just to their to their canvas creators but you know it was a really big move for them as a company and i guess it was people are just kind of trying to understand like you know if i leave where i am and i come somewhere else is there the same amount of money which you know isn't true no one has that no one's an established 20 year old company but um for a lot of them, they're just more curious as to like if the grass is is at least somewhat as green as it is where they are. And then a question I was told to specifically ask you by <laughs> by multiple people: What are your opinions on NFTs? That's really funny. Um, yeah. Me as an individual, or me as in the company? I mean, I guess I think they mean you as the company, partially you as an individual, but only in as much as you as an individual is involved with the company. Yeah, I mean, I'm not involved with NFTs. I mean, I yeah. think. I, I've never gotten into it. My first impressions was just like it came true. At the start, I was scared it was going to be a little scammy. Um, it was going to be way too much hype on it, and it'll eventually die down. I think all that has come true, and that's why I never touched it, to be honest with you. However, do I see capability in the market? Oh, I definitely do. I mean, I think I think that NFTs as a whole, I mean, this is me more myself. I was doing more research yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. I think it's very similar, or I guess Web3. You know, it's, it's the whole, it's kind of sync them together in the same boat usually sometimes but yeah almost always people put it in the same place yeah i mean i see it too just like the when uh, the dot com kind of era started the web 2.com era started tons of money started coming into it tons of platforms started up maybe like two or three still exist today but that yeah. doesn't mean it was useless we all use it it's our lives now those companies just didn't there's tons of companies that just didn't know how to utilize it to the best capacity early on I have a feeling that NFT and Web3 will be the same thing. Do I think that NFTs can bring value in the comic space? I'll be transparent. I think so. Um, but only if done right, which is, let me, that's like the really important <laughs> part of that statement. Where like, for example, if, you know, if you're selling an image for $1,000, $20,000 for your comic, 
I don't yeah. think that's correct. No, do I'm I, with you. Yeah, do I think giving something where like someone could buy something for 50 or $100 to support a creator, and maybe if they buy it, they get a hardcover and a shirt and free chapters? I actually think that could be worth it, depending on who's buying it. But, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, out of the whole crypto world, taking that out of the equation here, I think like that's actually really good value and that could really help people. Now, the user, the buyer gets IP rights, basically, which is cool. They're a part owner of the series. I would love to be a part owner of like Naruto. Um, the creator gets, if done right, right on the right platform, the creator gets a lot of, gets the major part upside of that. And the buyer, they didn't just get an image, they get in a hardcover, which would normally be $25, $30, a shirt, maybe another 15 and free chapters, which could equate hundreds of dollars. So I think like under that logic, it could be very beneficial. Like that's that's the way that I see it. I think there's a lot of potential. I think it just needs to be done right. Do I think it's been done right? Not really. I think there's maybe some groups here and there that are kind of doing it. Um, but I think it's super, super fascinating just to even live through it. It's very historical thing in my opinion, which I think fascinates me the most. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I think I think uh, I tell my friends all the time. I'm like, we live in eventful times, which depending on who you are is maybe what you want <laughs> but yeah that, that was a very nuanced take you know you considered a lot of a lot of the different angles and i thought that was quite interesting a lot of people have been very like yes no kind of answers so that was quite a nice response to get i'm now going to kind of transition into my final this is my one of my final like you know just snappy questions before we hit the what i would call the bigger bigger ones what would you describe your relationship with creators to be as a platform you know as a company what would be your relationship with what do you consider your relationship with creators to be? Ooh. Um what is it or what would I like it to be, if you don't let me clarify? What I guess it's a combination. I think I think it'd be good if you start with what it is right now. Tell me what you would want it to be. Yeah, I think right now it is a really open collaboration with our creators. I mean, I, I always say this statement that content is king. And it's true. You, if you know, your content is the king for us. If we didn't have stories, we wouldn't have a platform. And who makes the stories? Creators. So I think creators are ultimately the the most important key to any platform. Your creators need to feel like they're being taken care of in a good way, right? And you feel like mm -hmm. they're safe, that they have opportunities to grow, that they can subscribe to a mission. And I think that right now, what we're trying to do is hit all of those and. I think we, through Voice Me, we actually allowed many creators to start their creative journeys and really helped try and give them opportunities to grow their stories. I think as a whole, this to the future and now, I yeah. have my own little <laughs> antidote of sorts. That I, I, my, my theory that I always tell our team is we must treat our creators like entrepreneurs. And I think that is the most important thing that as we build out VoiceMe, that is something that I would want us to get better and better at. And as our technology gets better and better, we want to enable that. That We're, makes sense. I mean, yeah, if you want to, if you want to predict the future, if you want the future to go a certain way, you you just invent it, you build it. So exactly, yeah. we want we want to give. My thesis is we give creators as many tools as possible. We let them utilize it how they want because it's up to them in the end. We can give suggestions, show data, but it's really what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes so sense. I've been trying to get onto the platform, by the way, like just to like, I like to, before I talk to one of, I've spoken to the global comics um, CEO, I've spoken to the CEO of one of the NFT webcomic things, you know, I'm speaking to a lot of people right now, especially as like a creator myself, I like to go on and make sure I've given the website a good like test drive, you know, uploaded a test page, looked at some stuff, that kind of thing. 
and like voice me is really hard to like <laughs> and we'll get to like um user user interface stuff later but voice me has been really hard to like use um i didn't really i didn't really know how to like get to the creator page so i'm just going to ask you directly what's your creator what's the creator experience in terms of analytics yeah i mean honestly i think as of today it's actually a lot it's subpar to what i want it to be and actually, I think to a lot of the other sites, I mean, also like Global Commons, I, I know their founder as well. It's actually like, I think it's actually worse than that, to be honest. But I think it actually shows that, I think this is why we're one of the few companies that's like raising a lot of money right now, like out of all the comic companies is that, this is what I say, we have a crap website, but we're able to have so many users and chapters growing on a monthly basis with series and people interested that our stories and our creators are just so interested and so good truthfully that utilizes platform that we're still growing with a really bad experience and i think as a founder it's where you have to admit faults and i think that is definitely where our fault lies this website was made before i raised any money right yeah so so it's pretty crappy on that regard (laughs) before i even came to speak to you i've been speaking to quite a lot of different people um i've spoken to quite a lot of people that have worked with you i've spoken to people who are of just different positions around you or away from you. And one of the things one of them said to me was, you know, at one point the site was supposed to act as like less a site for users, more a business card for investors. Is that how you thought about it until you kind of really um, had the budget to really do more? Honestly, not really. I mean, mm. so we had, we had three website iterations. All were yes. basically before I raised any money. The first ever was when I only had like $8,000 to spend on technology, which you'd probably guess is not very much to make a whole website. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that back machine. That's like, I saw. <laughs> yeah. So that one was beyond crappy. Um, but that is actually where everything started because people were like, wow, this is really cool. I wish I was able to actually post content. I was like, I agree with you. Um, then the second website was when I had $20,000 and I was only able to allocate about 10 to 12 of that to a website because when we needed server costs, we had to pay out and get new creators. That was like how it broke down something around there. And honestly, that was also a really bad website because you cannot make a website in, with that amount of money. Yeah, you can't make a big a, a user UGC website with that kind of money. That's not possible. Yeah, exactly. And then this website we have now, I think this is when I think we, we had this was when we got like our first angel check, and I used a hundred percent of that, that investment to this website, which I think it was only fifteen thousand dollars back then. So once again, all websites were pretty much made under twenty thousand. Never thought of it as a business card. Each website was an definitely an improvement from the last. I think oh. that was like the biggest thing. But it was more just at the bare minimum. I wanted to create a portal for people to post their content and for people to read it and payment to happen to creators. And I think that that was the most important thing. And that's how I always thought about the website until now where we're actually rebuilding our whole website and we're, we're doing it with focus groups from our community where we have town, we have like host town halls. I literally just show screenshots of everything. And I'm like, roast it, give me input. What do you love? And so far, everyone is like loving the new website that's gonna be launching relatively soon. So I'm very excited for that. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. I think I've seen quite a lot of photos of that. Some of my sources have like been DMing me them over the evening, especially as they knew I was going to be getting close to the time when I was going to talk to you. Uh, and they were all like, you know, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And I've seen it. You know, it looks really stylish. You know, as a, I've, I'm not, 
I, there was there's a whole thing about joining joining into active conversations. I'm not fully aware of what that's about. But you know, he looks really stylish. I just I don't I don't I don't know what your specific audience wants. I'm not going to sit here and make any prescriptive judgments. It just looked interesting. So it's good to know that you're thinking about it. It's good to know that you're heading in that direction. I'm going to have to do a little bit of a step back in my questioning here because uh, I'm going to have to go back so I could get to somewhere else. I asked a lot about you know where you see the site, where you see things right now, where you see a lot of voice me now and going forward. I guess a good question to go to then would be going back a little bit. You know, you told me you got started. You did you you got started with like no money. Then you did the contest. From what I've understood, there were other people involved at the start of the company. Although I don't know to what to what level. I know there was Tom Ford. I don't know if he's still involved, but I assume he was. He looks like he started founding the company with you. I don't know how that how that went. Oh no, no, I was a sole founder. Oh, you uh, were he, a sole founder. Yeah, he Tom was. Um, he joined, I think, like maybe four or five months in. He was just a Discord community person. Um, we got close. He had we basically would share our stories together. Uh, he would share us the stories to me for input. Uh, he was one of the people that joined the town hall a lot. Then I think quickly he became a moderator. When when we did our first ever moderators, he was a part of that group. With a lot of the people actually are still part of our Discord. Then he became an admin when we did our first, when we got big enough for admins, he joined with it towards that. And yeah, then basically he decided, then him and a few other admins who actually still speak to the other ones, they co-founded a studio for like <laughs> two months called Tech Studios. And they ran that a bit and we had a small partnership there. But no, I actually did like pretty much everything by myself. We had a few people come here and there to help as like contractors to like, like help manage a specific series or do art for a series or trying to think what this stuff did we do? Or maybe give like advice here and there, but really kind of, I was grinding like 120 hours doing everything. That's valid. That's valid. I should say the reason I brought up Tom and to an extent tech, although you brought up tech before I did. On the masthead, your name's there. <laughs> You're like put down as like founder in a lot um, of the things I found about tech. <laughs> tech was more or less kind of what happened was it's a group of three editors who founded it. Mm -hmm. Someone named Eli, Sev, and Pert. Eli is actually so cool. We actually he's the, he drove to our con. Um, he helped run our booth volunteer. Sev is awesome. He he's literally actually he reached out a message today saying it was so cool to see you on a con on a panel and then Pert and they kind of just reached out one day and like hey you know we were thinking about making uh, a studio since we're all like editors and we've been helping edit some stories um where we can maybe like help edit some voice me series we have connections to maybe some artists we can kind of help on that side as well focus more on novels and they're like you know would you want to do some sort of partnership for something like that and I was like yeah sure definitely honestly stuff needs to still be cleaned up on it but it was like it ran for like a month and half was like a super small thing so it wasn't ever much hmm. of a worry and I, I think i've also heard about um one of my sources told me about somebody called luke Zhang. um he runs karathas yeah that's a studio we're partnered with ah yeah they're from um, singapore right or from china i don't know which one not clear yes he is from singapore singapore yeah so like what's the partnership there like what's that relationship yeah it was more just like um we were looking to expand some of our stories and they had connections in with different studios based in china so when we did a partnership where they would basically help reach out to some of the studios and translate negotiations um and help them actually do the translation of some stories so we actually we were became like the official english producer of like magmel which is on netflix because they helped kind of work out that deal they all made that connection and we were able to work out that deal and they helped translate the series. 
I was wondering how that was how that put together because you know I was looking into into Catharos as well, just trying to realize that the name was Catharos, not Carathos, and <laughs> just trying to understand like you know how they related to you because they kept coming up in a few documents here and there. So I figured it'd be good for me to just clear that up. That's that's actually really interesting to know. You know, I was assuming that like a lot of the content because I've you know if anyone goes onto Voice Me. Uh, the number one thing they'll notice is there's a very specific type of content that's very consistent. You know, there's always a god, there's always some fighting, uh, <laughs> or there's always some supernatural force and some fighting. And that's not, that's, you know, that's an interesting thing to see because um, usually most websites, their like content profile kind of generates over time. But it seems like you guys really just got that, got, I guess, what you thought was your main content profile nailed down quite early. Uh, so I was trying to understand, you know, if tech or Catharos is why you're involved and just fully understand like the way that was working on your end. Yeah, no, it was more actually strategic direction I took the company. Mm. I've noticed that, oh, really? yeah, I noticed that more or less what happened is when you do an industry analysis and, and just being a creator in this space. So we'll start in the first part. If you think of any major webs webtoon, focus on like webtoon platform right now. Uh, you know, think of your web, think of your webtoon, your tapas, your even I guess your tappy tune, your manta comics. They all have similar top stories. It's all romance. It's all comedy. It's all drama. All those platforms tend to focus more on the female demographic. It tends to be a little bit younger. But I've noticed, and I've interacted with a ton of people before I started voicing. Like my, my friend group all basically were in the same kind of demographic that I was in terms of like they were posting or reading on other sites and they're like, man, there's never any good action series on these platforms. There's no detective stories or they're weak or there's no really cool, you know, like it's like hard to find a really good like leveling story on like the Webtoon US server, for example. Or like, you know, like it was really hard to find content then based around action. I started looking into it, reaching out to creators, reached out to over 300 creators on Twitter. And a lot of them were, almost all of them were actually action creators. And they were all gave like, it sucks. They get no support. They see other series get bumped up or published before they do. And there was just no platform really built for them. So I made, one of the things is I took the strategic direction early on is like, well, what happens if we cater to not directly hundred percent, but if we just say like, Hey, you know, like we support and we're open and we love action series. We wonder how much that would actually grow the platform. And I think that's one of the reasons why we actually exploded because of that, because of our focus on there, mm. because now when someone could come for a story, something similar, they could funnel down to it. It doesn't mean we don't kick it. We kick out any romance series. We actually have a few really popular and romance series that we're actually even comedy series we're working on now. But it's more of a strategic direction on that. And we have actually had calls with like a lot of the companies I actually just mentioned, and they actually kind of complimented us being on that direction. And that's actually why a lot of investors and people believe that we actually manage to get a lot of success right now. You know, start small, grow wide instead of throwing your net too wide early on. That's fair. I mean, I think I think when that comes down to for a lot of creators that I've been talking to about your platform, they've been, they've, some of them have felt very rejected, not outwardly, like not like you told them to like go away or anything. It's more like, you know, they come onto the platform, they see a bunch of gods and fighting and stuff and they go, well, maybe this isn't for me. And then they leave. And I guess like, I was just trying to understand if that was on purpose, you know, to cultivate a very specific type of content and eventually you were gonna diverge and like, you know, become more wider in terms of your acceptance pool or if you were just gonna stick to this path or if that was an accident. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was more of like a strategic happy accent. I mean, like we have series like Link Soul, like that's more romance first per se in its nature than action second. Or we recently 
published from pilot to an original like sunshine cafe and we have like some other romance series like lost domain we just made we just made an original crow's calling magus 13 all those stories i mentioned in particular all have very widely different art styles and they aren't all action first like lost domain is actually like is relatively low action throughout that series yeah considered more a fantasy story and we're like producing literally two really funny uh comedy stories we just had meetings earlier today so it's it's now we're expanding but we wanted to make sure that users in our early days were able to filter content filter between content as readers that's that's actually this has all been very informative because it's been giving me a very a wider understanding of the platform and the forces at play if you will so we understand i guess now i kind of get your niche i get the kind of creators you're looking for and a lot of people would probably feel a little bit more comfortable knowing what you're looking at and like how you're slowly moving to become more of a wider content platform and that's just and, and you know your direction as a company is really clear i guess uh what i was going to ask was as it is right now with the direction the site's going what exactly are you trying to achieve with that webtoons got this approach of there's a walled garden then there's Canvas, right? Global Comics is everyone's is a free-for-all. Everyone's got different approaches. What exactly is your site approach going forward? What do you want that to be? You like, you know, I've heard some people say you want it to be a little bit like Twitter a little bit on there and a little bit of other social media platforms on there. I would say in the closest comparison, we are probably more near Webtoon, but we throw more community involvement in it. So like Webtoon has like they're kind of like their originals, right? And then they have their canvas. I would say for voice, when we actually have originals, we have like effectively our discovery, which is like, you know, like a canvas. But we also have this middle ground called pilots, where actually the community gets their voice involved when it comes to choosing what's actually published on our platform. So it's this, for us, that's the more multi-tier approach. But I would say like the underlying topping that we're adding is not becoming a Twitter, but just allowing for social interaction and creativity to foster on the platform so for example what we're going to be having is that creators can create like polls and conversations that they can interact with their audience they can create prompts they can people can panel message on panels they can reach out to artists with authors have live chats this is because the creative space is the, the this space is the only space in the whole creative industry writers where they have no interaction between their audience. People just post content, people read it. There's maybe sometimes a comment section that's usually very inactive. There's no deeper interaction. Video people <laughs> have YouTube. Video gamers have Twitch. Yeah. Dancers have TikTok. Yeah. Art has Pinterest, has Instagram. You know, like cooking has, like the list goes on and on and on. What about the authors is nothing for authors. Yeah. And then it's been proven over the last 30 years that interactivity increases sales, engagement, just makes creators feel good. So that's that's the element we're taking. So we're like Webtoon in that sense with more pi- with a pilot focus, but throw in social interaction that space has never seen yet. No, that makes total sense. Like that's a, that's a really big move in that more um, social media-y aspect that more than every other every other platform has either been willing to do or is currently doing that's actually very interesting i guess you know all of that's very interesting to me you've got a really big audience base you've got this direction that you want to go into where you want to kind of like bring that audience base to a new way of experiencing comics and i guess the thing that comes to me is like how is you know like i've 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 gotten some reports from a few audience members a few people talking to me about like well you know i want to experience the app i want to be on the app and how can they experience those things if like the app isn't working on their device and like i've gotten at least at this point at least two people out of a 
a group of people have come up to me about like the the app just doesn't work on my device the app just doesn't download from what i understand looking into voice me and i don't know how much of a technical person you are because i think you're doing you're like more of a uh, i'm pretty man, technical right? i'm 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 i would say I'm more creative okay, but definitely pretty technical okay great cool i can have the technical discussion with you i and from what i understand it's a Next.js based application. Like it's some kind, it's, it seems to be based on Next.js to make the apps, to make any of the software, or is it React or what's going on there? What's, what's going on with the site that's making it that people just can't even download yeah, it? Yeah, so it's, it's built working. on React. It, is, it actually works right now for over 30,000 devices. Okay. <laughs> it's just there's sometimes yeah. there's, there's the specific, truthfully more one or two devices here and there. That doesn't work. Sadly, in the, in the current state, sadly, that is like what's happening. However, what we make sure mm. to happen now we're building it out is as these new features come out, it is accessible on web, mobile web, and our app. So there's no features gatekeep there. And with the enhanced kind of experience we're creating, it is actually a good supplement in the short term. However, we are building it so that it is accessible on on all apps, but it's not like truthfully users are missing out on anything, I guess, other than like the kind of the native feel of opening an app and reading through it. But yeah, in yeah. our user base, it is like less point, like it is smaller than like 0.001% of our audience can't use it. So we yeah. are, are focusing the, our That's priorities, true. truthfully, time and resources to make the website <laughs> a lot better than it is first. And then going back and like catering <laughs> to everyone in every way that we can. I mean, the thing I think where that where that situation was coming from those for those people and the way they the way the argument was posed was a lot of like a big part of the web comics audience is children. Like that's like what I think one of the things as, as creators online we just have to accept is like the number one reason why any of us could ever be popular are because children like us. That's it. Uh, <laughs> and because of that, you know, we end up with the situation where like if the reason it's not working on their application on their phone is because it's a crappy phone. That's probably going to be a lot of the coming audience because, you know, a lot of kids have terrible devices because nobody wants to give them a thousand dollar phone, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> right. You know, I, my nephew, my, I bought my nephew a phone recently. I'm not giving him a $600 phone. I'm giving him a $300 phone. If that on a good day. So like for a lot of them, they were just, I think the perspective was just like, you know, if I'm not accessing it on these devices, does that mean, is that because my device is old? My device, my device is bad because my device isn't you know, the latest and greatest, those, that was a concern they were coming coming through with. Uh, another concern they also came through with, but it was a situation of whether you were favoring one platform over the other, like in terms of Android and Apple, but I think we'll just focus first on that, like uh, not working on some devices thing. As you said, it's working for most places and you can't spend too much money on it. You want to spend too much money on it because you have bigger things to, bigger things to worry about. Do you worry though that it might push away a little bit of your younger audience who may just have that really bad phone that just doesn't work on truthfully not not really um just because like such it's mm. it's literally like 0.001 or something or another zero in there yeah. percent of our audience <laughs> that yeah. can't <laughs> access it so it's a smaller part and it's not like you can't post if you don't have the app like our website is yeah that's the main worry truthfully mm. that people wouldn't be able to mm. post but mm. that is done like on our website where people can upload those more intensive files where it's an easier actually process to go through generally better processors than most mm. phones right especially if it's like a phone that normally wouldn't be able to work so that that is like it's no worry 
in the sense of that we're pushing people away it upsets me truthfully that some people can't use it when they want to use it because i understand that that is really rough so that's why our first thing is like well what can we do in the quickest most immediate time well let's rework the whole mobile experience because that affects a hundred percent of the the people then we can go back down exactly okay we're getting to a part now and i'm just kind of giving you a bit of an an update because i don't like i don't like shocking people it's just not my thing Again, to a part now where I just need to ask you a few questions based on the people I've spoken to to understand a little bit more about the inner workings of VoiceMe as an organization. Not in a tell me an NDA, or t- like, you know, release NDA information to me or else I'll cry or whatever, but it's just more so I understand because while doing a lot of the research about your company, a few people, a few kind of worrying things came up. And, you know, that leads me to ask questions because if I'm going to tell other creators, hey, this exists and this is a good place to go or not. It kind of depends on the way you react to some of them. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Great. So like from what I understand from some people, Voice Me started out a little bit as a fo- focused on writing, right? Like very focused on the light novel experience. Not technically. It actually was, it started way back when in a completely different industry. Mm. Um, I would say it's it, not in the light novel. I guess writing as a whole, it was more like a blog, a poem, a ebook kind of platform. Yes, okay, I, yeah. I I think that that's where it originally started. But mm. our focus was honestly less on the medium back then. If you check out the crappy website, it's mm. it's all it's all about the social interaction. That's what it really yeah. started out as a social really interaction platform. Okay, and like from one of the some of the people who seem to have started out around there i know you know when a site starts out you can get varying types of users often what happens is the most volatile people come to your platform because they were rejected from other platforms you kind of have to remove them so that you can keep users that are balanced and the kind of people you want around every day but the but the person that the person who brought this who brought this up to me brought this up to me quite a bit later they were like oh i started um i think the times they gave me was they started sometime around 2020, the end of 2020, and basically started working with you guys really closely with an originals contract sometime around 2021. And, you know, as they, they came in as a writer, and they, they, they tell me that, like, it was, an in, it was a situation of a lot of broken promises, a lot of, in, in, like, just being left with zero communication. You know, they'd ask, about it, about something going on or about a platform thing or just about pay and then just be like blanked and i've looked into their into like the work that they put out because i know that what happens with a lot of early platforms is you sign someone they don't make anything <laughs> so you don't pay them obvious so i looked into them to just make sure they were up you know see if all their work was uploaded see if they fulfilled their end of the deal and as far as i understood as far as i can see they seem to have done that but for some reason they feel very much like they were left high and dry and this is a writer first is that I do you know why <laughs> I, I think uh, possibly um, well I guess it depends I mean one thing I like to Shriver like really promote within the company is that we we don't miss payments if you reach out for example like for example there's a creator that missed a payment a really really long time ago that we try to communicate to them. Um, we had a product manager back then who truthfully didn't really do much that they were supposed to be doing without my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So that they didn't really communicate with some of our creators back then. But because of that, one of our creators missed the payment like ages ago. And the second mm-hmm. like we found about that out that now, it was paid like within hours. 
Mm. Um, so that is like something that we were actually really big on, um, that we give pretty much benefits and bonus on everything. I'm not mm. miss payments. So I don't really know too much on that front. I think definitely for our early, like our early original creators, it is very different to what it is now. So, I mean, truthfully, I don't think it's, I don't think it's worth comparing one or the other because they're comparing apples to oranges. I mean, full transparency. I mean, I was clear with it back then too. And we, it was, you know, self, a self-funded company with small resources, right? It was more of a risk versus now there's a lot more of a, different there's a lot different process and order like for example our original contracts ha- like usually have to be serialized now mm. back then because i i couldn't truthfully afford people going becoming serialized we never forced that on creators actually in all of our contracts we never forced a set upload schedule because truthfully i couldn't afford that and i didn't want people working for like no money so mm. it was all kind of optional back then up to them because it was all built off. They get like way more than the majority of the ad revenue because that's that was their major payment back then. So I think that's that's definitely, I guess, an, a response to that. It was just very a very different time. I mean, truthfully, and I think everyone knows it as well. But some of our creators who started all the way at the beginning actually had I would like to say have and are having a great experience who are original creators and novelists, too. So, like, yeah. for example, AFK um, was our, literally our first story ever into the space. And it was a novel. And I'm holding, actually, the hardcover right here. It was one of the three story, one of the four stories we decided to print to sell at LA Comic-Con. So, like, for example, and truthfully, we signed that creator on a very different contract. But now with more resources, we were able to re-sign them on a deal that, truthfully, requires a more serialized uploading uh, schedule, but in return, a much higher payout um, and a much more resources that we can supply now. So I think it's a very different kind of experience. That's why, truthfully, there might have been a more rough experience at the beginning. But now with a lot of our new stories, we have actually changed the way that we structure it to give a lot more support to novelists. Like We're actively looking to publish three novels right now um, and doing an adaptation of like another one, for example. I truly understand what you're getting at there in terms of how the experience is different now and things are different. And I get that, and I really do. And I respect that you are working to improve things always, and that's a very noble and meaningful thing. What I'm going to say is essentially... While it's good that you're changing and improving, a lot of the creator space, as you would know, is very much used to people seemingly changing while really never changing. You know, you just get more layers between them and you that make everything look like it's okay, but then it's really not. And like in the and because of that, like I still have to. I, I'm I'm just gonna have to really push on some of this. It's like I understand that there's a lot going on and there's a lot of hours going into into starting out a company. But in general, for a lot of people, if they if if creators are coming out of the platform around March April of 2021, um, or leaving sometime near the end of 2021, which is only a year ago at this point, and are feeling very much like the platform didn't communicate with them. That poses a problem because I've spoken to people about the positive things about your company. I spoke to Mind Fury specifically, actually, because everyone told me he's a real fan of the company. Mind Fury told me some really positive things about the company that I truly believe, and you've you've brought up to me. You've really exemplified. I just want to understand, like, the kind of disorganization I guess that would have started back then, because that's the word a lot of them, a lot of the people I've spoken to have used. They've used the word disorganization all the way from writers to webcomic creators. They've talked about the experience of being on VoiceMe as one where 
as you were transitioning the company, they were kind of left in a situation where they were basically high and dry on occasion. And while that might be only a few, those few getting hurt for a very small company even is a bit too many, in my opinion. Like Webtoon, really big. If 100 people get hurt there, fair enough. Big company makes bad decision. But if you're a really small company and you have a really small creator base, you know, hurting even like 10 people could be evidence of really bad mismanagement. You know, even a name that's been thrown around for me a lot, um, there's been somebody called Joshua Polino. So like who apparently made the experience very, very bad. So I just really want to understand from your perspective, is that true? Why do you think that was yeah. true for those creators? And is how, what are you doing to stop that? Yeah, that that's an excellent question. I mean, I fully agree. Um, at the beginning, there definitely was a lot of misorganization. I would think it's a lot more than a year ago. Uh, more like a year and a half ago is when, or even longer ago, is when it kind of happened way at the beginning, where early on I was focusing on trying to grow a lot of different things. So we have getting a product manager. I mentioned it earlier. And sadly, there was miscommunication between the magic project manager and the stories where I was told by the PM that everything was fine. The authors never reached out to me directly. Mm -hmm. And I never really found about a lot of issues until much later on, uh, sadly, actually relatively recently. But they now never reached out to you directly, but I have at least two of them tell me they directly message you and they were just like, don't know, Walt. They're basically not seen or spoken to. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe one or two didn't communicate for like a week span because I was doing everything by myself for like course, yeah, yeah. a really long time. But mm -hmm. ultimately, everyone to my knowledge that reached out to me and tried to re-reach out if, if it was more than a week or something or something like that have all been taken care of in one way or another. I'd agree mm -hmm. that might, there might be one or two people who had a truthfully a bad experience at the beginning. We try to rectify a lot of those, honestly, those creators at the beginning where I would say actually at the start, we brought in maybe like five, 10 stories um, who had a very different experience than what these creators have now. I'd say pretty much like eight or like seven out of 10 of them. We actually actively went back, re went to help out. We re, we re reached out and kind of fixed for a lot of the issues that kind of happened back then because it was a very different scenario. Um, but I mean, there's kind of the door is still open to anyone that had any rough situation or whatever the case may be. I make it clear to everyone that my door is like always open. Like anyone can DM me. And if I'm mm -hmm. too busy, because truthfully that sometimes happens, like today's been back to backs all day so far since seven in the morning. I tell them, hey, you know, I'm just really busy right now. Let me send you to our creative team so you can send your pitch that way or our product manager so that they, my direct product manager so that he can actually help you or mm -hmm. let just and then I'll join in the conversation later. But I, that's usually the only thing that really happened. I mean, I think that Josh Paulino was, was honestly a, a great a great example of truthfully early on he joined in as a creator we had an artist that decided to partner with him voice me actually had no say in that that other that other artist was just a part of the voice me community and then that mm -hmm. artist decided to leave that project and join another one we mm -hmm. never actively reached out and stole the person or said you should cancel this that just it was actually like separate from our deal back then we actually back then we never we made it very clear, just like earlier, we never enforced serialization because we couldn't, I truthfully, I couldn't afford it back then. It was the same thing that we never forced artists on a project unless we were actively paying for it. Back then, Josh wanted to, who's actually an amazing creator. We actually like really great conversation. We tried to actually make another story relatively recently uh, until life kind of got into the way. 
on his side but before he re-reached out to us to keep trying like pursue it again back then he just tried to he reached out to his own creator on his own will trying to form a deal with uh we didn't even know which is fine right because that's how most people create their stories so like we couldn't control the an artist leaving in that case because that was kind of an outside of voice meets territory i mean that's fine even if even if we look i think even if we look at a lot of those things that's happening in the past and that's fine I've talked to a lot of people who currently work with you. You're going to have to forgive me for focusing on the negatives, but for me, my priority as a person who who really cares about the space is the creators that are in there um, and like ensuring that wherever they go, whatever decisions they make, at least they are informed, even if they are bad decisions. Although I don't think yet that voice me is a bad decision. But for me, when I'm coming at it like that, one of the, some of the people I've spoken to recently have very much told me things of ranging from situations where um as they, as they work on on work or they work on some of the comics that either they seem they, they feel like some of the assistants are overworked or they feel like there's almost no communication or they get updates either from the main writers i think i've gotten a very direct complaint about um, one of your biggest writers as to how like they upload whenever whenever everyone's waiting for work they get that work a week late sometimes, you know, which as you can imagine for a, for a production line of, for most comics, that can be, the word stifling is an understatement. That can be very stressful, even though a lot of them are taking, trying to find a way to take it easy. I can see that in a long term, in bigger production situations, in larger environments, becoming very stressful, becoming very, very stress inducing. And I guess, I'm, I just want to know, is there something you're doing to address that going forward as you are, again, you're going into I guess right now you're in what I would call voice me 3.0. So as you're going into 4.0, is there something you're going to do or that you're planning to do to kind of remove these unpredictabilities or at least get people to, play, to more play ball with each other? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, voice me is like an official company now, Yeah, which is really fun. <laughs> so we could do more cool things like that where we have honestly the time and the resources to actually expand and fix a lot of those issues. So what we do now with almost all of our stories is that we create a ton of buffer content beforehand before mm -hmm. even launching so like mm -hmm. we actually have like eight series in production right now that truthfully when we first started we definitely would have launched um because right it was a very different back then we didn't know if any series was going to do good or not we just kind of wanted to get stories out for people to read that was the sole mission but now what we're doing is we're building extensive buffers to reduce deadline pressure deadline risk which is one two we actually give shorter series i'm uh, sorry shorter seasons so actually give when we give more break time between seasons three we actually reduce the total panel count that is actually required i don't know if you know but like i'm assuming so like tapas webtoons their artists actually have to do like 80 plus panels yeah, um yeah. for chapter I mean, usually it's i mean the average now contractually 60 although everybody does a lot more yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I spoke to the high executives of both companies before Tapas killed through original program. That that's what they were basically looking for, um, mm -hmm. and that is what Webtoons is looking for now. That's for all their yeah. series, pretty much. We don't we don't enforce it that high. We actually have a little bit lower, which could argue that it hurts the reader experience a little. Um, mm -hmm. However, our focus right now, until we get bigger and bigger, that we can build massive, really massive teams is a really focus on the creators on it. So we actually have a lower, we actually have a little total panel count. All of our teams as well now, we actually build extensive teams. So before mm -hmm. when we kind of built series that we didn't even know if was gonna do really be really big or not, we only actually had a few people on a team. Um, found out very quickly that that could create a lot of stress. Um, right. And like, I first I was like, oh, this, 
this wouldn't be too truthfully. I was like, oh, this wouldn't be too bad because the people I was wor- speaking with, like, they would want they wanted more work. Um, that's what they said, right? So they, I asked them, would they want more people? And they're like, well, actually, I prefer them more work because I get, you know, like, theoretically, I had to get more payment. So mm-hmm. that's how we structured back then. But now we actually have more. We have much larger team. Where now, if someone's sick, there's actually a backup and there's an assistant to that backup. So we actually have like some of the bigger teams in this space as well because we want to avoid burnout. And I think we're actually seeing a lot of success with this because a ton and ton of our artists that work with us are actually working on like three and four projects at a time with us because they would want more work and they actively reach out to voice me because their experience now has actually been pretty good, uh, at least as it seems. And kind of our, we did a recent kind of artist survey to, to get some feelers and it's it's a lot this is actually the best it's ever been which is super exciting so now with a lot of our re like i mean god game is a great example before when we first launched it we actually shotgun release we didn't know if it was going to do good or not so we just created a couple episodes here and there no deadlines or anything it was just like hey let's make it as honestly as quick as possible then it started growing really big and we were like holy crap so then we try to build more of a team but we found out that honestly there was a lot of stress between the author and the artist so what we did is relatively recently we actually took a really long season break i think we took like it was like two months or so like something Mm -hmm. like that more than during that we were able to build buffer we got a lot more artists to help out and now with this actually they were all all the artists had like a massive buffer so we found a ton less stress and now we're actually we're retaking another uh relatively soon in a bit we're probably going to take another buffer here another season just to give the artists a break um and to help kind of keep the buffer up and it works out perfectly because how we write it in terms of like the actual planning of it, the seasons, it's just enough content for people, which is perfect. So like, eight, like basically finishing in volumes. So that is looking like it's working pretty well so far. Okay, that's fair. That seems like a that seems at least like you've very extensively considered to some extent the creator well-being, which is very important. I think the next thing I was going to ask was Larita is currently your staff manager, right? Chief of staff. Chief of staff. Chief of staff. So I'm assuming that's going to be the kind of interface layer that's going to go between you and like everyone else that you're working with, which hopefully should kind of keep people in keep people in a position where they feel a little bit more like they're being hurt because you've got a lot going on on your own, right? Is that yeah. what the purpose of that was for? Yeah, yes and no. Mm-hmm. One, truly, she has massive organizational knowledge and skills. So she actually helped really organize the company because she joined in with our first fundraising round. And that's when we really started becoming a real company (laughs) and actually relatively recent. So with her, we pretty much restructured everything. She helped really build the teams out. But when it comes to any sort of communication within artists that work within the company, they Mm -hmm. always have now three points of communication that they will always respond to at a minimum three. Their project manager who works directly with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Then second is Larita. You can always, anyone could literally always shoot Larita a message. The third is myself. Um, as much as, as much busy as I actually am, I'm pretty much relatively caught up on most DMs actually, because I've been kind of recently responding to whatever I can. And then that I make clear during like all our town halls and like everything that we do that, um, you can actually reach out to any voice me employee and they will always funnel it within the day basically to the right person so that we can make sure that whatever the issue is, we figure out as soon as possible. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then what I think, I think that, I think that could kind of alleviate a situation that we're going to ask you about, but just, I'm going to ask anyway, I'm going to admit it's not been, it's not been widespread, but I've heard complaints about certain like high level creators, creators that you have on platform because they are 
big because they are popular and about how they don't really seem to um, respect essentially the downline from them. So downline from them as authors to everyone else that does the work to get their content out there. I'm assuming this restructuring will also allow for people like that to be questioned meaningfully by staff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I kind of know what you mean. That very much relates to the thing I brought up earlier about people submitting their scripts a week late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th I think I know what you mean. Gener generally, what we've been trying to do is that, I've, I mean, kind of already answered it, where now every, for example, every series like God Games, are, I mean, it's like our biggest series as a big creator on it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like an example from there. Like now we have built it down to a T. So certain scripts come in these days, for example, and we're X episodes ahead. And I think before there was actually a disconnect that a lot of people saw between some of the bigger creators on our platform and the interaction between which and the community, which was an interesting kind of thing because, I mean, I don't know, I wouldn't require anyone big or small to interact with other people, but I think recently we've been having a lot of success with that of where like, actually like I mentioned Kerrigan and Brandon are probably two of our bigger creators. They flew out and they were interacting with everyone. It was really fun. People were just coming up to them they were selling each other's stories and other stories. Like it was a really like wholesome moment. Like they were promoting like AFK, for example, which is the first, which was our first story novel. They don't, they never even met the creator. I'm not sure they ever talked to him, but they just kind of supported them because they were all a part of the voice me community. Yeah. Okay. It seems overall that things are changing at voice me. Although whatever has gone on in the past is still kind of seemingly following you as far as I, I could find. Considering I was just trying to find out neutral information, but I kept getting told a lot of things. The puzzle things I got told were very valuable, though. You know, it was good to understand that there was a space for creators who wanted essentially an escape from the current zeitgeist, if you will. You know, I believe Mind Fury basically said to me, it's a growing company and it makes me feel like I've earned my audience more. And I think that's, while there's a lot that I think you should, as a company, should be looking into. I think there's a lot, there's a lot of positive there clearly for a few creators here and there. And that's still pretty valuable what you're bringing to the community. How long do you think it will be before you're really bringing, before you're really bringing forth your like full vision for the company? <laughs> My full vision for the company is quite, quite long. So yeah. <laughs> probably, I mean, much farther in the future. When will we start mm. getting like MVP features out so people could utilize that? relative very soon upcoming months if long okay. if longest and i guess i guess the question is right now from what i understand from the, the different places i've looked and from the different things i've tried to use to measure metrics you're getting about like three million monthly viewers monthly monthly active users sorry so i'm just going to ask you how long do you think it'll be before you hit like a big round 10 10 mil i think relatively soon quite honestly you think um you're growing that rapidly from what our insights say and our sources of investors who know those uh, some companies mentioned early on and other metrics i do believe that it'll be relatively soon actually which is very exciting we've been growing rapidly for a very good while we were we were like one of the fastest growing platforms and we're still kind of keeping that momentum it's slow mm -hmm. truthfully it slowed down a little bit but it's still like rapid rapid growth which is good but now it's just making sure that we can cater to that audience and give them the best experiences possible i i can see the growth is happening although i don't really see you advertising 
Yeah, it's really it's that's that's what that's honestly a very interesting point. So we it's actually why we have been able to raise so much money throughout the company's existence. We spent like maybe only like eight hundred dollars on marketing. So all of it has actually been just organic word of mouth growth on TikTok. We've been, we utilize social media a lot for marketing. That's where we promote like a lot of our series, where we promote our pilot series, regular series, competitions, etc. And now with this round recently closing, we're about to actually make another really experienced hire um, and they're going to lead a paid marketing team. So our, that's why I mentioned growth. It's actually probably going to double or triple here because we're going to have more consistent, basically paid advertising that we're sinking a lot in to grow kind of all the series on our platform. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. I see where you're coming from. My final couple questions and, you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief. I'm no longer going to sit here and grill you. <laughs> directly <laughs> as a creator myself you know you've got i know you've got your contest going on right now although i think for a lot of creators there's been a, I, from the, the vibe i've gotten is a lot of like me eh, to i'm very interested as a creator myself what would you say to me as in, i'm looking at your platform let's have been making my content somewhere else what is the thing you're going to say to me you're going to use to pitch your company to me i i think the the bare minimum is that is very universal even like depend not even like depending on like what you're creating right so you can be creating a novel or a comic I, I would i would ask and i would bet i would say like how much money have you made on those other platforms and i would bet that well at least what it says is that like 99 percent of creators in the space haven't made a dime the next like 0.5 percent made a couple hundred dollars and then it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. A lot of the competitors in this space right now, you need a large amount of views to monetize or before you can even monetize. There is very few monetizing options you have. They take a large percentage. Novelists, I mean, excuse my friend, novelists are screwed over right now, truthfully, on like every platform. They have to write like X amount of <laughs> tens of thousands of words for like $100. And if they miss a day, they can lose a contract. So a lot of those... I would just kind of ask that most of the creators and I've met creators that have millions of views on other platforms and they made less than 50 bucks. And then the kind of follow-up question is I would ask is like, if you do get an opportunity to make money, who owns the rights to your story? Mm -hmm. Most of the platforms right now, they take the rights to your story or they take enough of the actual other rights that you effectively lose the rights to your story. Where voice me, we make sure and we kind of pride ourselves that we actually never do that to our creators. Truthfully, and I'd like to be transparent about it to everyone, the only thing we do require to our voice me originals that we help create is exclus exclusiveness. Because if we're going to invest as a startup $50,000, $100,000, etc. on art to help kind of grow the series, we'd like the security that it's going to be on our platform for at least a couple years. So that mm. we so that we can kind of, we invested to help grow it, we'd like to kind of make sure that you just don't take it and run it off somewhere else. So that's yeah, that, that. Those are the two biggest things. And when you kind of start asking creators and start looking out, you find out that a lot of creators elsewhere have either been screwed out on either or just don't benefit from like monetization. So those those that's the very short, high level pitch. That's very universal, sadly, um, mm. <laughs> to most novelists yeah. and comic creators right now. I think for a lot of the platforms as we're going forward, we're realizing that a lot of our content platforms are also just very much um, ad supported. You know, as you're saying, like, where the, how are they making money? A lot of the platforms are on ad supported and still they don't get a cut of that. What's your revenue split for ads with the creators? The general, our, our biggest one is our, our general ad share program. 
So mm-hmm. right now, to kind of enter it, you just need a thousand views, not monthly, just total. We're actually mm-hmm. going to be changing that so that anyone could enter right away. But what we do is then, at this current moment, we give 70% base to the creator in terms of ad share. And then that's actually going to be amped up even more in our next website where we're looking at basically 85 to 90%. Um, and then with our we have a sponsorship program which right now which is basically like a built-in patreon for the sake of it right people mm-hmm. could sponsor your story to monthly to support it monthly creators get 90 percent of that and we also cover the fees so it actually nets out to about 95 96 percent goes to the creator it'll be very interesting to see where your com- where your company goes from here because on one hand i'll be honest with you very directly the problems that have been brought up to me still kind of linger on the mind you know what I mean? Like, it's never, it's one thing if it was a salty person or a salty, angry creator who was just upset for no reason, but it's been a lot of very, like, I left and they didn't, like, they told me they'd take my content down, they didn't. So I guess for me, those things linger on my mind a lot. But it's been really good to hear from you because it's very clear that at least to some extent, you really do care about this space. And um, that's nice to see. That's really nice to see. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, there have been unfortunate situations in the past that we're looking to kind of change going to the future. I think, truthfully, it, it is upsetting that we had a few rough situations at the front, but I think any startup in any situation honestly encounters those. Any platform, Webtoon, Tapas, Webtoon in the US, when I first started, was actually a mess, right? Yeah. So it, it happens to all. But I think the main thing is like, as a creator... I, I can feel to them where like I, I understand where that could be it, it could feel really bad and honestly they I do feel bad that it has happened that's why I mentioned earlier but we did this whole thing where we reached out to try and rectify yeah. any hardships that were countered in the past and luckily most have been fixed in some sort of capacity or or adjusted I think it's really important that you're doing stuff like this at the stage where you're at because I think as the bigger a company grows you know, a lot of startups especially like to use the language of we're a team, we're friends. Uh, but realistically, like that's only until, for as long as your goals align. And realistically, every platform's goals will, miss, will eventually shift away from what the actual user base or audience might want from them. So it's very meaningful that you're doing this at this stage before you get there. I'm just wondering... We're all assuming every everything stays roughly the same in terms of who's running what. But do you think when you get there, you're going to be, it's, you're still going to be very focused on that creator experience? You think you can maintain that? Yeah, I think personally, I, I think we can. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll even say that I, I know we will. I was a one man show in the company. Mm. until maybe like five, wow, five months, four or five months ago now. So I was pretty much doing everything by myself. But now mm. that we have employees, one of the biggest thing is culture. Then mm. that's like when pretty much whenever we bring in a new, a new uh, employee, we sit down and we basically have a conversation about culture. Every action that we make as a company, we make sure that it can benefit the creators in some sort of way. If it's a website rework, we're thinking about the creators in mind because content is king. If we are thinking about, for example, like we are looking, we're making an online store we, that we're launching on our site really soon. We are thinking it fully with the creator in mind. So we're not just gatekeeping it to original content, which many other platforms do. We actually reached out to a ton of different artists that just work for us or different pilot series or original series or series that maybe haven't got a ton of growth in these areas. And we all open it to the same opportunity. If they want to basically give 
a print or a hardcover, you know, whatever they, they want to sell anything, we'll host it on our site to help support them. So like, that's just a small example, but like everything that we're doing, it's always how can we best benefit all creators in management and organization if something goes wrong why did it go wrong kind of for creators when we were at comic-con all of our cards that we handed out is we're a platform for creators that's that was our saying that was on our banner a platform for creators it was on our ver huge seven foot vertical panel panel of uh, banners it was on our 1500 cards we handed out it was so that when people know right away it's not just a YouTube or, you know, another form. It is a platform that is built and being built with the creator in mind. And I think that's that's really important for me and for the company as a whole. That's a really, if I call that a really good conclusion right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Matt, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a man of many names, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, I get it, me too. But um, thanks a lot. I really do appreciate you really talking about that. I think... We, I hope to hear mostly good things going forward. But I will probably. But if another bad thing does come up, I will hold you to task. <laughs> I'll try to fix it as soon as possible. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, thank you very much. It's really late where I am, so I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, thank you. If you don't mind me asking, then real quick, where are you based? So I'm I know in the UK. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you for staying up. It's what, like two or something? <laughs> it's, it's like twelve. I have well, to go do so much tomorrow. Uh, thank you very much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you a lot. I hope you have a good rest of your day. You as well. Have good a good night. night. Good night. Bye.